Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. Um, obviously, you know, this is a um, audio podcast. There's no video component. But I hear rumors that right before we started, Lucas um, basically took all of his clothes off and just started going crazy. <laughs> what? Are these rumors true? Um, I'm very confused where you're going with this bit. Like, those rumors, uh, those rumors are not true. Mm. Uh, I'll also say for the podcast listeners, we're doing you a favor by not having any video component to this show. <laughs> I don't know. I just turned on Twitter and like the first thing that popped up was you tweeted about, uh, oh, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Brown. Yes, yes, yes. Clearly, I I was playing a game of sports ball, and then halfway through, decided to take off my shirt, throw it out the window, and leave my apartment for reasons that I can't really explain. Well, that type of behavior will not be tolerated on this podcast. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is, it's totally going to be tolerated in the NFL, along with all the much. Oh, they already cut him. He's done. They already cut him. So they did. Yeah. Oh, never mind then. That was quick. Uh, Arian said it after the game, like in the post-game press conference. He was like, yeah, he's cut. <laughs> well, good, on he the, was... good on the Bucks then. 
he was like, that was basically it. Like, I don't really know what happened. Because he was like, hey, do you want to go win the game? And Antonio Brown was like, no. And he was like, what? what? <laughs> like, he was trying to sub him in. And Antonio Brown was like, nah, I'm out. And Aaron's was like, huh? Okay, I guess. And then he left. We're we're not a football podcast for the most part. And I also don't feel like having a half-hour-long discussion about the craziness of – that was the wrong word choice there. Um, the – Highly unusual nature of Antonio Brown's career over the last five years. But if you're out here caping for Antonio Brown, uh, go find something better to do. Yeah. Like, does the dude have some mental health issues? Yeah, probably. He's also done some really terrible, awful things and always shown zero remorse for them. So I have no sympathy for the guy. Mm. Bye-bye. Well, if any of you guys do not want a podcast anymore, there's easier things. You don't need to go through any craziness like that. You can just let me know, and it'll all be good. So no worries. All right, so all of that aside now, promote extend trade. And we just started uh, the new year. It's 2022 now. And um, a couple of pretty good guys are celebrating their birthdays today. So, who are we going to promote, extend, or trade? First, we have peak Edgar Martinez. Um, his his best season, 1995, he hit 356, 479, 628 with 29 homers. Next, we have peak David Cohn, who was born the same year as Edgar Martinez, and the same date, obviously. And his best season, uh, I'm going to say 1988, he posted a 222 ERA with 80 walks and 213 strikeouts in 231.1 innings. And last but not least, the youngest guy of the bunch, Peak Fernando Tatis Jr., who had his best season this past season. And he hit 282, 364, 611 with 42 homers. Damn. So this is just like what player would we take? Yeah, you have a team. It's it's a good team, so don't worry. And you know, you can promote one of these guys to your team, you can extend the other dude and the other one has to get traded. I'm trading Cone because he was a Yankee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh. I'd probably okay. trade Cone too just cuz I'd want the everyday like the 162 player like game player you just will impact the game more uh that's tough edgar is like the edgar i feel like is one of the poster child poster children would that be the correct plural there let's go with poster children (laughs) um i like poster children so yeah for like careers that Say early Saber people were arguing were much better than everyone realized. And for that reason, I have a soft spot for Edgar Martinez. Dude was also, like, really fucking good. So I'm going to uh, extend Martinez, and I guess I'm promoting Tatis. Yeah, hit, also, Tatis and, has done it for, t- like, two seasons. Let's be real. <laughs> him and Big Poppy are, like, the, the, the DHs. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, they, they defined a position. Whether or not you like the position is a different story, but it's 
a very, it's in a, it's in a position for half of baseball and soon probably to be all of baseball. And they're like the godfathers of it. And he's one of them. And it's, it's kind of crazy in retrospect, really. Like I really didn't start obsessively f- following baseball until like the mid 2000s, you know, like the 2004 Mets, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Martinez was basically, you know, like late 80s to basically the beginning of 2000s. So he was already retired by the time like I started really getting into baseball. Um, you know, like 1990, late 90s Mets teams, I just kind of followed the Mets and then, you know, not. But really. also like we were young at that point. Right, right, right. But it's just crazy to like look at his numbers and be like, how is this guy so underrated? Like, how is the argument? Yeah, he was a DH, so who cares about him? Like the dude, he's like a career insane stat line. Yeah, like, like he's he was, one of the best hitters ever. Like yeah, he didn't hit homers, guy. I mean, that's literally <laughs> it. Even to, like he was just he he's definitely criminally underrated. And if he played now, it would he would be like one of everyone would love him. Mm. He it's one of the he's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just looking. I mean, I, I, every time we talk about anyone on the Mariners in this era, I go I pull up the career trajectories for a bunch of guys they were one year off of having edgar martinez alex rodriguez and ichiro suzuki on the same team that's wild and so i think I, I don't think i listed all four there edgar martinez alex rodriguez ichiro and ken griffey jr all on the same team wild they missed that by a year and they never a lot, won of, anything. a lot of weirdly good talent flowed through seattle yeah it's crazy I mean, they had the best team ever. Yeah. yeah. 117 wins, right? Something like that. 16. I don't know, but... It was like 16 or 17, but still, like, that's going to be hard-pressed to ever get. You guys touched. are correct. It was 116, which the Cubs also did in... Before the Mariners. 1906, you know, so who four. cares? Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, now it's just there's too much talent in the game, really. To win I mean, that much, the 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 twenty twenty two Mets are going to beat that, obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> let them have it while they can, I guess. And that's insane. The Giants and Dodgers are the best teams in baseball last year, and the Dodgers roster was insanely good. The Mariners were ten wins better than that. Yeah, yeah and it's just it like, really is crazy when you think about how good a team that wins 116 games actually is. When you consider, like, wow, if a team wins, like, high 90s, you're like, damn, this is a really good team. Like, I mean, if your team wins 90, it's a good team. Yeah. <laughs> like, when was the last time the Mets, Mets win, had a team that won yeah. more than, like, 92 games? Like, if the Mets win 90 games this year, I'm ecstatic. And, like, that Mariners team beats them by, like, <laughs> you know. 20 like, games. You, 20 congrats, games. you won 90 like, games. You lost the division by 20. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, it's crazy how hard that is. And especially with a game like baseball, where it's so long and so much shit could go bad. Just out of your control. 2006, and, the Mets won 97. That's, and that team was like a juggernaut. Like, they beat yeah. the shit out of everyone for the entire year. <laughs> well, then, and then all their pitchers got hurt, and we know what happened. Yeah, exactly. Before we move on, who is in the pitching staff of that 2001 Mariners team? I will. Uh, uh, Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer, yeah. Oh, my That's, God, right. Uh, That's all I know. Uh, a 33-year-old Jamie Moyer. No. <laughs> I made See, he, was still, he was old then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. I mean, he might have been old then. 
one, Seattle. He's perpetually old. Oh, another good old name, Freddie Garcia. Oh, okay. 40 innings of 3.05 ERA ball. Jamie Moran, Moyer, Aaron Seal. Uh, oh, Aaron Sealy. He was a Met. Famous Seal. Met. Aaron. Yeah, I thought he was a Met. Paul. He was literally 38, Jamie Moyer. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Abbott. Mm. Don't know who that is. Let me lower the innings pitch here so I can actually see. Arthur Rhodes. Oh, Joel Pinheiro. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. Kazuhiro Sasaki. Jeff Nelson, John Halama, I don't know who that is, Ryan Franklin, Jose Paniguana, I don't know what this dude's name is. Uh, Yeah, lots of hitting. I don't know these pitchers. Remember the Joel Pinheiro sweepstakes in like 2007? Yes. Yes. Good times. Yeah, it was a big deal. Didn't Didn't the Cardinals wind up swindling a dude or was it the White Sox who got the better end of that deal because Joel Pinero went to the to the Cardinals Ryan Ludwig went to the Padres and okay I'm sorry Steve I'm derailing your sex that's, that's as, right. as usual but now we have to I mean, we're, we're, it, so. we're, we're remembering some uh, Pacific Northwesterners so it's fine Oh, wait. This was Jake Westbrook, not Joel Pinheiro. I am incorrect. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Jake Westbrook. I haven't thought about yeah. that name in a while. I know. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, retro names here. Yeah, just all, all those cardinal, random cardinal pitchers of the late aughts are kind of amalgamated into one thing in my head. There's Adam Wainwright, there's Chris Carpenter, and then there's the blob of Cardinals pitchers that were better okay. than they should have been. Jeff Supan. Like, uh, he, he he lives in my brain for that reason. <laughs> I was obsessed with Jaime Garcia for a couple years. He was pretty solid when he was healthy. Yeah, and then he had... Yeah, he got hurt. Right? He had TOS. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's... We actually have some Mets news, however minor it is, but it is actually Mets-related, so let's try to transition to that now. And according to Jensen Pujols, who is a journalist that works for a couple of Spanish-speaking newspapers and radios um, and TV stations, Juan Soto's brother, Elian, he has announced that he has a deal with the Mets and he's going to sign with them in a couple of weeks when the international signing period officially opens on January 15th. And further um, solidifying these these claims are Soto himself, who posted training videos of himself working out and doing uh, baseball activities in Mets gear. So, you know, it, it's getting some press because obviously when we think of him, we think of Juan Soto. And I think Juan Soto is, is a he's a solid player. Would you guys say he's OK? All right. Pretty Pretty, right. pretty fine, yeah, yeah, take him in the outfield. Yeah, and obviously, you know, there's not a lot of baseball-related news at all because reasons. But, you know, I, I think this is kind of a, a big nothing-burger piece of news right now. You know, he's he's not his brother, and as, you know, 
Gregory Guerrero or Wilfred Astudillo or my boy Warner Bina can attest to being related to someone who's good doesn't automatically mean that you're going to be good. And Soto's not on any industry top prospect lists. Um, you know, Baseball America, they go 35 deep. MLB goes 50 deep. So, you know, obviously there's a long history of guys that get lots of hype and they flame out. And then guys that get like tiny little bonuses and, and no hype whatsoever and they turn to superstars. But just based on, you know, what we have in the here and now and present, he isn't necessarily a guy that is particularly highly thought of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's a nice way of putting it, but I mean, we'll see because there's really. I think it's safe to say like nobody knows anything about him. <laughs> yeah, there's like so little yeah, like, information. <laughs> like what you know about him is he's Juan Soto's brother. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> Sign him. Who cares? You we know, should also like, we we should if we're talking about this bring up the fact that like, it's kind of gross that this is happening. He's, oh he's yeah, 14. fourteen or fifteen. If we're hearing about this deal, it's probably been in the works for a while. The international system is fine. Oh, yeah. Isn't that not supposed to happen? Yeah, aren't teams yeah, supposed it, it, to it's real not weird. do this? I didn't realize it, he was that young. Weird. <laughs> He's, and, like, he can't sign until, like, sometime next year. Like, like legally. <laughs> Literally it's, legally. It's, it's uh... so... <laughs> Listen. And, like, some dude just tweeted it out, and now Juan Soto's brother's on Instagram, like, yeah, let's go Mets. And, and I gotta... I'm not saying that this is what happened. I'm not saying that this guy is actually as good as, oh my God, who's the top signing this year? My brain is failing. Okay, I'm forgetting the guy. A, I think. Whatever. I'm not saying that he would be like a top level signing, but a lot of times these guys get like deals early and then teams hide them. So who knows if that's what's going on here? And that's part of the reason why no one knows anything. Like this whole, this whole, practice this whole setup we have with IFAs is patently gross and uh, I I wish it would change but no one seems to give a shit no one who matters seems to give a shit unfortunately yeah like we just roll into the things like oh the Mets are expected to sign like eight people like they already signed them like the like the the deals are already done and then that whenever whatever date is because I think they changed the day like the it's, internet yeah, it's day. January fifteenth like, 15th, like it's like it's that. different than it used to be but like then at, all these deals are gonna break it's like the NBA when free agency starts and at twelve oh one a.m. we like, totally we, weren't tampering yeah, right before it, this <laughs> like everyone knows that all this stuff is illegal and going on illegally and no one is ever gonna stop it because. It doesn't benefit anyone to do so, See, you know. At, but, at least on the professional side, but yeah, professionals, I, yeah, who cares? Yeah, they, they like they're a adults and b have recourse to like tell yeah. their agents are going to say no, this team sucks, we're not going to deal with them or go get money elsewhere. These kids can just get absolutely screwed because the oh, the Mets yeah. or any other team could just say, yeah, oh, we changed our mind. Remember how we hid you for two years because we had to deal with you? Yeah, we're not signing that deal. Uh, get fucked. Yeah, and then that's it. That kid screwed. I'm pretty sure we've spoken about it before, but Miguel Sano and the whole idiocy that went on there with the Pirates. It's honestly just the funniest thing about Soto is that I'm just going to use this as slander that the Mets are going to sign his brother in like four years. Yep. Like, like that's that's all I'm using this for. Yep. Like, they're just convincing his brother to sign by treating his his brother nice. 
So welcome to the Mets one. It worked out with um, Mike Glavin and Tom. So. <laughs> it's it's just like when the when the White Sox signed Yonder Alonso and then signed Manny Machado, right? Remember that? <laughs> that worked because they're they're brother-in-laws, and you always want to spend more time with your in-laws. Taps earpiece. I'm being told it did not. In fact. <laughs> But no, it's just because he who it is who he is. Like that's really the only reason why anyone yeah. is tweeting about this at all. But yeah, the the, the the international starting signing period starts. Excuse me, <coughs> oh, I have COVID, so that sucks. But the uh, it, it starts on the fifteenth, so we'll see how the Mets do. Obviously, we know that uh, Soto is in the mix here. The biggest name that they've been connected to. Um, is a guy named, well, not really a guy, a kid named Simon Juan. He's a speedy center fielder, um, from the Dominican Republic. Baseball America ranked him 14, MLB 16. So we'll see who else gets, uh, added it's to theoretically the giving him like $2 million, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they, they theoretically sign him. Yeah, theoretically. It's not, you know. But yeah, that is uh the only Mets related news here. It's been it's been fun. I have I went and so so it wasn't Joel Pinero, I'm looping things back here, but someone did get screwed in that three team trade because the Indians picked up Corey Kluber for Jake Westbrook. Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's funny. Jake Westbrook went to the Cardinals, Ryan Ludwig went to the Padres, and Corey Kluber and Nick Greenwood went to Cleveland. <laughs> Ryan Ludwig is another remember some guy's name. Yeah, yeah. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. So um, if you are listening to the podcast as soon as it comes out, on Monday morning, either the top 25 prospect list for 2022 has just started or it's about to start. If you are a real good listener and you are, you know, downloading and listening to us at like 9.30 or 10 o'clock whenever this usually goes on live. But the top 25 prospect list countdown is starting. And um, this week we're just going to go over some of the guys that just missed our individual lists. You know, we all went basically 30 players deep, <laughs> which became uh, a little bit of a challenge around like eight, nine. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> not not the best. <laughs> I mean, after that, it's kind of whatever. Like, you could kind of put them in any order, and I would be like, all right. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm yeah. actually a little disappointed in myself for not doing that as a gimmick. I should have. That would have been a Start fun. Start picking bit. names out of a hat at eleven. Yeah, I should have like put it <laughs> that, put every name past ten into a random number generator and given that to Steve <laughs> as my list. Honestly, we would have been like, sure, all right. <laughs> I, I would have sent a concerned DM. <laughs> Sir, it's just numbers. Oh crap! I forgot to put the name. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what we should actually no, we, we could have done like a series of real rankings and a series of fake fake rankings. Determine the difference. <laughs> Can't. Yeah. But yeah, we went thirty deep because you know towards the end there's a lot of uh, difference of opinion. Not I don't know. That's not even the way of putting it because it's it, you're you're squibbling at that point. But there's a lot of different names towards the bottom, so you know you got to go a little extra. So we have, um, basically we all have our 26th top prospect who obviously did not make the master list, but is on our own individual list. So we're going to talk about those guys this week. Does anyone want to volunteer to talk about their guy first? I have like the least interesting one. I should not lead off this segment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, then Lucas will not. Uh, yeah, no, I'll go. Yeah. All right. Uh, so my 26th man is uh, Robert Dominguez, a right-handed pitcher, uh, 20-year-old from Venezuela. Uh, the Mets signed him in 2019, and um, he was a little older than your typical IFA signing. Uh, he was 17, I believe, but basically 18, like like less than a month uh, to go until he turned 18 uh, when he signed. Um. Because he was kind of a late bloomer and, and grew a bunch after turning 16. Um, so he's one of like, I don't know, maybe like three or four pitchers in the system who um, can consistently reach the high 90s with their fastball. Uh, I think it's like him, Mikel Otanez, and um, uh, Deoka. Um, but yeah, that's kind of been the, the, the main thing that everybody was talking about with uh with Dominguez is that he he really has a very uh hard fastball um at a young age. Uh in addition to that, he has a curveball that shows promise and is starting to learn to change up like every pitcher his age is. Um and uh he made his professional debut this year um because obviously there was no 2020 season. And um, he spent the entire season in the uh, the complex, in the, the FCL Mets, and uh, generally struggled with his command. Um, he pitched in 10 games, uh, 12 innings, 10 strikeouts, 9 walks, uh, with an 8.25 ERA. Um, so, so not great. No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not what you want. <laughs> Usually want more of a separation between your strikeouts and your walks, but um, yeah, that's kind of the story about Dominguez to this point. Uh, he gained a lot of buzz for popping radar guns, but he seems to have some of the same issues that um, hard throwing Mets prospects in the low minors have had in years past. Um, he doesn't really know where it's going, and um, you know, I, I 
there isn't really like a standout standout breaking wall at present. When was the last time a Mets pitching prospect came to the majors with high end velocity, with the exception of Noah Syndergaard, and was actually good? Came right to the majors with it. Yeah. Syndergaard. Uh, well, not even Degrom point. had it. Like, right. That's came. my point. Like Degrom didn't come to the majors with oh, high end oh. velocity. I got you. Oh. Uh, Thor did, obviously, it was good. But guys, well, that like, was like his whole thing, yeah. Yeah, not his whole thing. they, they also he was like an import. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, but when did he was kind of young when they got him, still right? Yeah, they got him when he was like he he was a, a prep. Pick. He was in, I think, full season ball. Was he? Okay, yeah. I think it was in like a like single A. Yeah, okay, barely right. full season ball. But like, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, like no, Victor no. Black, velocity, no control. I can't even name that many pitchers who've. Had that velocity at all? It's this. Yeah, is just, it's kind of a. I don't want to say it's like a trick question, but it's kind of like an impossible question because that kind of velocity for pitchers is really only in the last ten, fifteen years. I mean, you can but, go back to like the mid two thousands, and you still have okay, I mean, lawyer pitching. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I mean, that's a good point, Steve. But the the rest of the league yeah. has. I imagine you go through most teams, and they've all developed a, a couple of these guys, and some more than others. Most bullpens have like three guys who can. Yeah, have. like where the Mets just have not produced any of these high velo, even guys who are even semi viable. Yeah, uh, and that's like a big problem with. Is that's high. a big problem with their. Bullpen. I mean, I can think of like two or three. Like like Robles would touch the high nineties. Yeah, like, that's, a good, that's a good shout. Um, Flexman, Flexen could like touch, but do they live there? No. And were they good? No. Did Flexen have that much? Uh, Grisson Batista supposedly. Uh, no, he threw hard. He just threw straight. He was like yeah. no curveball or anything. Well, that, that's. I mean, it's all of the the few names we can come up with in the system who have this high velo only have it and nothing else. Yeah, and you look at the guys currently in the system, um, you know, obviously not like Matt Allen, or, but right. like uh, Mikel Otanez throws really hard, That's no it. idea where it's going, yeah. no secondaries. <laughs> um, most systems have like four or five of these guys. The Mets have like maybe two or three. And also like the, I think what the point Lucas is trying to make is like they don't develop them further either. Like Yeah, no, like, what you see is what you get. <laughs> like, like all they've done is that throughout their minor league career and then they get to the majors and – like sure, you throw a hundred, but so does everyone. So that's Gerson Batista's getting his his shit smoked, like because he's just not good enough to pitch in the in the majors because so, the Mets haven't developed him in that regard. The good news for Dominguez is the the new regime is taking over like a completely blank slate. Yeah, that's a fair he's, point. He's young you know, still, right? He's yeah. he's twenty, but you know, like um, he, which is still young for for like a complex league, league player, but um, like he's he's a young twenty because he. Mm-hmm. Missed his first season and um, really he didn't. Was an old signing too, if I remember. It's an old signing and then missed his first season and then only pitched in short season. So very very raw. Yeah, I mean, I hope I hope he's the first of a uh, more productive high velocity uh, pitcher pipeline here. Dominguez, I think, was the most. Uh, controversial is not, not the right word, but there was the most variance in where he was ranked among the four of us. Um, somebody had him as high as 13 
Ken, you obviously had him at 26. And then two people didn't rank him at all. So. And all that's valid because this damn system. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you're going to hear us say that a lot in the next few weeks, but like, goddamn. <laughs> Coming into the year, at this point last year, he was being, uh, I don't want to say heralded as the next big thing because it's not maybe the right amount of hype, but he was basically on all industry top 10 lists. The Mets were doing some PR work but, yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, look at this! He throws hard. He, yeah, if he good. was that guy, he would have been starting in full season ball. No yeah. They would have been, you know, not not that you want the to scout the stat line in the complex, but like, I'm not. I don't feel particularly good about ranking a 20 year old dude with a one to one strikeout to walk ratio and an ERA of nine. Yeah. Right. Now, if he had a one to one walk to strikeout ratio, but he did not allow a single hit. Would that change your perception of him? Uh, probably. <laughs> a little bit, but yeah. he's still somehow super hittable. Yes, yes. Like there's a there's an art to being that. Um, Craig Kimbrell does this a bit. Even Oliver Perez did this a bit in his prime, like being so wild that yeah, I'm gonna walk five guys, but if I don't know where it's going, they don't know. Where going either it's like advanced game theory (laughs) this total entropy approach (laughs) that's how i feel watching oliver perez i mean so part of me thinks like he's not all that different than like junior santos made our our list right uh he did yes yeah i don't think he's all that different from junior santos just you know two years behind i did not rank junior santos either Interesting. I do not like Junior Santos. I've yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't. This has been a recurring crazy. theme <laughs> over three years. I think they're the same size too. Are they? I'll check. So no, Santos is definitely bigger, but um, Santos is a big boy. Six seven, six five to six seven. They're twelve. Yeah. Mm. I don't think I realized Dominguez was that big. Because I know Junior six. Santos is like a giant kid, <laughs> like. Now, speaking of giant kids, that's a good segue to my guy, I guess, because he is like the opposite of, but <clears throat> the last few names on my list basically came down to a bunch of young IFA guys that played either in the complex leagues in St. Lucie or in the Dominican. And I was split on the bunch of them, but I ultimately went with Robert Kalina because I felt like he had the edge over the other guys that were in consideration in terms of the amount of innings that he pitched, um, the quality of the competition that he faced, and the results. Um, but Colleen, he's a uh, Venezuelan right-hander. He was born April 2001, and the Mets signed him on July 2nd, 2017, for $85,000. Uh, he spent all of 2018 in the DSL. Then he split 2019 in the DSL and the GCL. Um, and obviously, you know, last season, oh, excuse me, 2020 didn't happen. So this season, he started the year with the FCL Mets. He posted a 3.18 ERA in 21 point, excuse me, 28.1 innings. Then he got promoted to the St. Lucie Mets mid-August. He posted a 2.70 ERA in 23.1 innings. And all in all, with both Florida teams combined, he posted a 296 ERA in 51.2 innings. 
uh, giving up 48 hits, walking 18, and striking out 59. Uh, the biggest, the, I, I don't know how to phrase this right, but there's a major red flag with Kalina, and it's really something that you can't do anything about, and it's the fact that he is five foot eleven and weighs 175 pounds. You just put lifts in his shoes, it's fine. That's mm. true. I wonder if you could pitch with lifts. That seems like a recipe for <laughs> destroyed I'm ankle. Pretty ligaments. sure Herman Munster did it. So it must be. <laughs> it must be possible then. It must be possible. That, what, that show was in the documentary. Mm. But you know, he was 20 this past season. He's going to be turning 21, you know, in April. So it's unlikely that he uh, undergoes a. a late growth spurt or anything. And it's not a death sentence to be a shorter pitcher because obviously, you know, there's the Tim Linscombs, the Johnny Cuetos, uh, Marcus Strowmans, they all exist and they've had success. But Colino doesn't have fastballs like those guys um, in terms of, of velocity or just like movement. His fastball, it sits 87 and 94. It averaged 91 in uh, 2021. Obviously, when it touches 94, you know, that's that's a fine, perfectly fine number to see for a fastball from a right-hander. Um, averaging 91, you know, it's below average. And then when he's lighting up the gun at 87, you know, that that's batting practice right there. So a little concerning. Um, it does have a little bit of movement. It averaged 2,350 RPMs, which is a smidge above average. And it has a little sink as a result. But... Um, because of the, the spin axis that it gets or, or whatever it is that you want to call it. It's a straight fastball. It has some sink, but not much horizontal movement to it. Um, but in addition to that, regular four-seamer, he could also cut it. He could also sink it. And then he also throws a curveball and changeup. So it's a pretty solid repertoire for, you know, a 20-year-old pitcher. Um, he overly relies on the fastball right now. He throws it like 60% of the time. And then goes to the curve, 20%, cutter 10, and then the sinker and change about 5. So, you know, maybe with some uh, more knowledge under his belt, how to pitch in, in certain situations better, you know, that, that can help him overall. Um, the curveball and the changeup, they're both pretty solid pitches, especially when you consider his age. Curveball sits in the mid to high 70s. Um, it's, you know, 73 to 78. It gets a lot of whiffs. And it's his main, you know, swing and miss uh, pitch as a result. Um, has sweepy break. It's, uh, you know, 1-7. You know, it's a little off kilter, not a, a true 12-6 to six or anything like that. And then the changeup, that sits in the mid to high 80s, you know, 86, 87. So that only gives it about 5 miles per hour or so of velocity differential, which is not good. Um but it does have a high spin rate for a changeup. It, it averaged 2205 RPM, so it has a lot of downward motion, and it gets a lot of weak contact and ground balls and stuff like that as a result. So, you know, the size and the fastball is concerning, but if he could bump that average velocity up from 91 to, you know, 92, 93, which isn't impossible for a young starter, you know, maybe all you have to do is grip the pitch a little differently or change your motion a little bit you know it could happen and you've got a young starter with you know okay fastball averages curveball averages change up he'll be 21 next year um he'll pitch in some combination of either low a or high a so that's not a bad place to be not a recipe for a top prospect obviously but 
you know, as a back end guy, sure. You know, it's a very, yeah. very Jose Budo ish, you know, uh, profile. I'm, I'm, I'm getting. I'll be a, a dude younger. Rank. That's a dude yeah. you rank, and it's not like you don't feel great about his major league prospects, but in a system like this, you know. Right. That's always the thing in a system like this. It seems it seems like a bad uh, sitcom, bad bad uh, baseball themed sitcom here, in a system mm. like this. Yeah, it's it's like a down on his luck GM takes over a team that like oh, no. is, it has like no prospects and the t- the major league team is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like he's just sitting in his office with like a disheveled suit on, and he's like in a system like this, watching Robert Kalina, <laughs> <laughs> watching the track man, and he's. Just like, <laughs> And it's a good thing no one listens to us because that's a, that's a great idea, and I don't want anyone to steal it. We need to <laughs> start writing that down, Thomas. We got to start pitching it to Fox, NBC, whoever. MLB I needs s- content during the lockout. <laughs> exactly. He's gonna go hit the MLB Network's first TV show. I smell like. <laughs> Listen, if if SNY could produce like three seasons of prospects, I think that they can produce <sighs> prospects a, a system like this. I don't know how they're not bringing back prospects for the lockout. I think we're all better for it. All right. Uh, well, Thomas, I'll Lucas. Yeah. I'll, go ahead, I'll, Thomas. I'll go next. So my pick is someone who probably could be ranked in the top 25, but because of how his season ended, I kind of like, I don't want to say faded off of it, but I just stuck him in the, at the 26th spot to kind of be like, to hedge it a little bit. But mine is Jose Peraza, not Jose Peraza, noted, um, pinch hit legend for the Mets who hit like 170 otherwise, but Jose Peraza, who is a big 6'1", 220 pound infielder, which already should put him on the list because that's an incredible sight to see. Mm. But, um, he plays first, second, third. They signed him out of Venezuela like a few years ago now. Um, like in 2016 for like 200k or something like that. And he's kind of bounced around the lower minors, kind of not really making a name for himself. But I think last year was the year that finally put him on the map. He just turned 21. And in St. Lucie, he hit 274, had a 404 on base percentage and a 442 slugging. Like the slugging is a little low for a guy that big, but you don't, a 404 on base percentage is something that kind of opens your eyes no matter where you are in the system. Just getting on base that many times, four out of 10 times in a baseball season is insane. Like, that's, that's an eye. Like, that's, that's just a sticky thing that will continue on for him and will really help raise his floor as a prospect, which is where I think his, what could really, if, if he could get the bat to ball stuff better, because that's where he struggles a little bit, he hit, 218, 293, 383 in Brooklyn when he got promoted, which, I mean, obviously it's not good, but also he got promoted midseason, and we've talked about how that could be a struggle for guys, and also he wasn't, like, a top, top prospect anyway, so it happens. But also, like, I I saw him at Brooklyn, and his eye is actually really good. Like, he struggled with spin the one time I saw, like, the the, the times I saw him, or the one time I saw him, because he played the one time, but... Like, he struggled with spin, he missed a curveball, and then he, they just threw him curveballs the rest of the game in the dirt, and he just laid off of them, and he walked, like, twice. Because, like, he was like, alright, you're gonna throw me that, I'm just not gonna swing at it, because they're balls. Like, he got fooled badly in his first at-bat. And then, like, the, the, they attacked him the same way in his next two, and he just didn't bite again. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, he has a pretty good idea of what to do with the plate. 
So if the rest of it comes together, then I could see him actually being a pretty good hitter. But obviously there's a lot to go into that. And if his bat to ball gets better is a very big ask, but that's still something that's interesting. So that's really why I chose him. Good. That was a good pitch, Thomas. I'm annoyed at not ranking him now. Yeah, like, honestly, you, I could have put him in the 20s and been fine with it, but I put him at 26 just because, like, I don't think the ceiling is really there. Like, I don't think he's going to be a major league player probably, but also, like, if he ends up hitting a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised either. And also, you need organizational guys like that. Mm-hmm. He's a weird guy to me because... Yeah, he is. He should hit way more power than yeah, he does. Yeah, exactly. His his whole thing when they signed him was like, this dude grew up on a farm, and he's country strong. Like, he's he a could, big like, dude, too. Like, oh, yeah, he's like chunky dude. Like, but like, he, like in the box, he's big. Like, he, he's not, like, fat or anything, but I'm talking about, like, like, he's like a strong dude. You could tell he's strong. Like, off the field strong, but he just doesn't, it hasn't translated to the game yet. I'm getting Juan Uribe vibes from what you're describing here. Yeah, kind of, because he looks like he could have, he should have hit more for more power than he did, and he just didn't. And I was like, all right. <laughs> it reminds me a bit of late career Johan Urena, where all of a sudden he just stopped hitting for power, but he like walked a ton. Yeah. And that's kind of like what pros, I mean, pros is different very different situation and circumstances but like he was a guy that okay all the scouting reports are like yeah this dude's gonna have he's got power and he's gonna hit for power and then all of a sudden this year it's like out of nowhere you're walking at a you know a 404 obp it's like okay yeah but the power wasn't really there yeah because like Honestly, no matter where you are, if you're having OBP of 404, I'm going to notice it. <laughs> like, that's just, it's too high of a number. <laughs> it's quite good. Yeah. But yeah, and he's like, it's an interesting thing because if that, if the power comes or the contact comes, then there's something there because the eye is for real. But mm-hmm. that's tough to, that's the biggest part of the game, honestly. Looking at his numbers here, he hit seven homers in St. Lucie and five with, um, Brooklyn for a total of 12 in 102 games, which is not, like, terrible, terrible. It's just a lack of, like, other other stuff. Yeah. Why didn't I rank this dude? I feel every year there's a dude I just have on an initial list and then accidentally delete and forget to re-add. I feel like I might have, that might have been Peroso this year because he should be higher than some of the guys I have on here, I think. Yeah, and and he's only 21. Like, yeah. like he was younger than the competition. He was about the same age of the competition in St. Lucie, but he was younger than the competition in Brooklyn. And, like, sure, Francisco Alvarez uh, dominated at being younger, but also he's, like, one of the better prospects in the game, like, in the Mets system yeah, and even in the game kind overall. Of an like, yeah, you know, like, like, I feel like we should, like, the age stuff is still something you need to take, and can, and take into consideration, especially when you're not talking about the top guys. And he's Perosa isn't. Mm-hmm. So when you're a year and a half younger than everyone else around you, and you missed a year of full a full year because of COVID, like you're gonna be, it's gonna be a bit of a jump for you. And that's what it was for him into Brooklyn. So I'm curious. I'm sure he starts in Brooklyn next year just because he didn't hit well in Brooklyn this year. And then that'll be fun yeah. to see if he like figures it out. From you know what I mean? Like another year there with the same level of competition and the same not moving around and you know where you are and all that stuff, I'm sure that'll help him too. Like Dominguez, 
you ranked Peroza 26. Someone else ranked him 18, and then two others did not rank him at all. And like 18 is like, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, Lucas, we know that you did not rank Dominguez and you did not rank Peroza. So yes. who did you rank 26? So I ranked, uh, you guys all went with younger IFA style dudes. I went a different direction and I picked, uh, or I ranked the Mets seventh round pick from this most recent draft, uh, Kevin Kendall as the 26th best prospect in the system. Uh, so Kendall's, uh, College career was not fantastic early on, wasn't great uh, as a uh, freshman or sophomore. Um, and then obviously 2020 came around. He wasn't fantastic then. Uh, didn't even play, actually, because he injured his wrist this after an earlier shoulder injury. Um, so a little bit of an injury history there, which is concerning. Um, he was also bad on the Cape in 2019, which is usually a good barometer for um, um, uh, uh, the quality of, of older college hitting prospects. Um, but whatever, he came back in 2021 after base, after missing the entirety of 2020 and kind of had a breakout, um, was walking a lot more, was making a lot more contact, struck out a lot less, and it let his, uh, natural athleticism play up. He's a plus, possibly even plus plus runner, um, High steal rates in college, uh, has the defensive chops to be, uh, plus in terms of range basically anywhere you put him. So he's a plus shortstop range that works at second or third. He was also good in center field when he moved there for Matt McLean since he was at UCLA. Um, so there's a defensive flexibility speed profile here. Um, he showed up, uh, uh, the Mets sent him to A ball after he was drafted. Um, and he obviously is old and too experienced for that level and kind of destroyed it. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, which, I mean, good. I'd rather see him destroy it than, than not, but it doesn't really mean anything. He hit 327, 421, 451. That's an 872 OPS and just over 100 at-bats. Only one homer, which might be a little bit concerning, but 8 of 10 steals were successful. He walked a decent amount. He didn't strike out too much. So, uh, speaking objectively, and I'm certainly not the best swing evaluator out there. I don't love his swing. There's some in- nice elements to it, like it's loose and and looks fluid. And and he, like I said, he's a good athlete, so you can see the you can squint and see something good. But I feel like it's a little loopy and not the most bat speed. And uh, when his foot gets down, his bat's not in the best spot. So there are. Uh, as currently constructed, it's not the best. I'm looking at that as both a positive and a negative though, right? Like it'd be great if his swing was already good. Um, but if you want to look at it a different way, okay, his offensive production isn't, hasn't been awesome or lead or anything, but there are some obvious swing changes you can implement to perhaps improve that, that are maybe some low hanging, uh, easily achievable gains by making relatively uh, uh, minor swing tweaks. Um, all of this said, like, I don't see a long-term starter here in almost all likelihood. Like, even if you do make some tweaks, there's probably not a lot of power. Some He'll, he'll yank some out, most likely, but this is not a swing or, or player that's really geared for uh, hard contact that way. It's more a, a, a speed and defensive versatility profile, which I still enjoy and, and enjoy aesthetically and also think has a role on a major league bench. Um, like it'd be great if 
There, there's like a, a certain, at least in my, the way I think about roster construction, there's a certain checklist of skills you want to have on your bench. There's a limited number of spots, but you want to have a plus defender who can play up the middle. And that probably involves both a shortstop and a center fielder. You want speed so that you can run in certain situations. You want bench pop. You want blah, 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 right? There's a whole checklist of things you want to achieve. And you got to cram it onto a, a limited bench and a guy who could potentially be plus anywhere you play him defensively and also bring speed is, is an intriguing uh, 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 solution to that problem to me. Um, so, yeah, that's what that's the, the pitch for Kendall here. Not, not going to be a future superstar or anything, but I think there's utility role uh, in his future if the swing can be fixed a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you on the swing. It's it's rough. <laughs> yeah. But, like, there's fun stuff. To he was funny in the prospect reports because, like, mm-hmm. I feel like every time I would do one, he was, like, three for four with two steals, and I'm like, dude. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, he, it was just like, damn, he, he let off, too, and he would be, like, always on base. And I, I don't like, understand oh. why the Mets sent him to A-ball. I mean, it, it's it's a post-college whatever. It doesn't really matter. Like, I'm not throwing a hissy fit about it, but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really should have sent him to, to Brooklyn instead. Um, it was very clearly like good for that level. It's kind of ironic and, that we used to complain about the Mets sending their college hitters to Brooklyn, and now we're asking them to same <laughs> be sent to Brooklyn <laughs> thanks to realignment. Um, yeah, I think it, look, it's not as bad as um, oh that Arizona shortstop prospect who I was into, Colby Woodmansey. It's not that ugly. Oh wow, I forgot about him. Great oh. Colby Woodmansey. So I was I was I liked him too. Look, <laughs> I liked him because I used to call some of the Cal baseball games on the radio, and I saw him just absolutely demolish two balls in a series. I'm like, oh, this dude's good. And then I didn't know what I was doing, and didn't realize that he literally doesn't use his bottom half in his swing. Uh, Kendall's swing is not that bad; like it's fixable. Um, yeah, I th- I think there and the athleticism has survived his arm strength isn't great like I don't want to play him in right field and the arm might be a little short at third um but the range and speed are there to be an up the middle flex piece and that that's really useful if it pans out especially with the DH when you don't need like 800 pinch hitters on your bench like Mm -hmm. you could have a guy who is an okay hitter at best or like even a little below average one if he's a really good defender and a good runner like just play him late in games, have him run around and play defense, you know? Like, yeah. that's not the best use of a roster spot, but you can, I could see that for, like, two, three weeks or a month if some dude gets hurt. Like, it's, If he's, like, your third – if your third guy on the bench can post an 80-weighted runs created plus and play plus defense at short and center while being a good pinch runner, I think that's a perfectly fine – Yeah, that's fine. Spot. Yeah, that's fine. And for a seventh-round pick with the smaller draft, that's also fine. Mm-hmm. Like – a seventh round pick in the bigger draft is fine too. Like, yep. it's and he was under seventh slot. round picks. The seventh round picks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thing they saved all that money. Let's not. I don't want to be that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Kendall was ranked on three of the four lists. He was ranked highest at twenty three, then one at twenty five, and then twenty six. <laughs> So everyone is basically kind of in consensus here. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a. I feel like he's gonna be like a fun kind of player. I don't know how his career will pan out, but who was the um the rule five the minor league rule five utility guy they picked Drew Taylor. 
Is that the right name there? Something. Are you Taylor? talking about this year? Yeah. Oh, um. He got like three at bats for them. Frick. No, from from the, he was picked in last year's minor league rule five. No, but like for this for the past season he was yes, in this organization. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Ferguson. Maybe. This is the major league. Point is, the Mets picked like one of these like random bounce around AAA infield types. Like I could very easily see Kendall becoming that in a couple years. Yeah. And like it kind of raises his floor a little bit. Like, like we have this conversation with with Mangum before, where it raises his organizational floor in the minors. Where mm-hmm. even if he's not a major league piece, like he'll be around in AAA in five years or four years or three years or whatever, and he'll be able to be an okay player in Syracuse while they have other prospects. Because you need that stuff too. Like the your minor league team should be competitive. Like you don't want to lose all the time like the Mets did. I'm sure the players don't really care. Like I'm sure they're like, okay, we're here to develop, but also it's just better if you win. Like that's just how life is. <laughs> right. The Mets twenty twenty Rule Five draft guys in the minor league part there was Drew Ferguson, who was their first pick. Then they picked Justin Dillon, who was a right-handed pitcher, who I have no recollection of. Zero percent. I remember that. Yeah. Then the third round, it was Drew Jackson. Drew Jackson That's is the one I'm talking thinking about. Yeah. Yes. Then the fourth round was Jesus Reyes, and the fifth round was Jose Zaria. Yeah. Drew, I forgot Drew Jackson actually played in the majors. <laughs> yeah, he got, he got like a couple random at-bats. Like, I think... I think that's probably what Kendall could be, and if that's if you have that, that's like a useful piece to have, so you don't have to pay some new three million dollars to be at the end of your bench, and he's optionable, so cool. Mm. Well, um, you know, this is scraping the bad bottom of the barrel here. So all of our future podcasts about all these other prospects that we'll be talking about, nothing but up from here, guys. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> could be worse. We could be um, talking about White, Colby Manzi. White Sox fans or oh. Washington still, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's rough there. I'm trying to think of the other really bad farms right now. The Rockies? Arizona, Colorado. Colorado, man. What in war- what, what a system. There's just nothing going on there. No, <laughs> what, no, what no matter where you're talking about. Because, <laughs> oh, like, at least the Mets have a bad system, but they're they're willing to give people $100 million to play baseball for them. Like, there's solace in that. The Rockies are like, we won't trade Trevor Story and then also let him walk. And it's like, okay, cool. And John Gray, too. Like, I didn't even QO Gray. Yeah, that's different. That's wild. <laughs> that's that's just uh, an effective use of resources. That could be the Will Pondering of the Week, but that happened a while ago. So. Yes, 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 yes. The Will Pondering of the Week for this week, though, goes to Lon Trust, who is the Yankee COO for a decade plus. And he's no stranger to having said dumb things. His probable, his crowning achievement probably came in 2016 when he basically said, um, the quiet part out loud and implied that ticket prices in certain areas of Yankee Stadium are high intentionally to keep the riffraff out. <laughs> well, the quote on it is so, you could tell he wants to say 
somebody. <laughs> He's yeah. fighting it in that quote. Well, court documents between the Yankees and their former minor league affiliate, the Staten Island Yankees, were made public the other day. And apparently he was not a fan of the pizza rights. And he wrote in an email to their ownership that the temporary name change, um, which was approved by everybody, so whatever. But it was, quote, an embarrassment to the New York Yankees franchise. Now, this is a franchise, of course, that passed on multiple black hole famers in the 40s and 50s is a franchise that, you know, it's it's the franchise of George Steinbrenner and Billy Martin, of the Bronx Zoo, of Derek Jeter and A-Rod, the 2004 ALCS. So there's a lot of things to be embarrassed about, and they are embarrassed about a temporary short season minor league team name change that was voted on by the people and it did fucking numbers <laughs> because Pizza Rat merch sold out like all the time. Well, it was good. And that's why. Yeah, it, it outsold regular Staten Island Yankees merch like two to five times. And you know, I'm a Mets fan, obviously, but the Pizza Rat hat is my go-to hat. It's just a fucking good hat. Imagine and being it's the minors, of course. Imagine being a fan of an organization that's this opposed to fun. <laughs> Yeah, just like like angrily opposed to fun. I couldn't do it. I, 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 because when I, the Mets are good, they're fun. Like those fun, those teams are fun, and City Field is like a fun place to be at. Like even when the Yankees are good, it sucks. Kinda, yeah, like it. The Yankees have so much history, and like I've been there a few times, and there's none of it for show, like anywhere. Like it feels like a cavernous hall. Yeah, it's it, it, like, it feels yeah. like a mausoleum. Yeah, it's so like weird. Well, clearly you weren't sitting in the right seats then. <laughs> There's no defending the current Yankee Stadium. It sucks. Yeah. Well, that is the Wilponer of the Week, and this is our podcast. And if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us. <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> you can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Subscribe to our podcast where you get your podcast from. Rate and review. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.